evening, friends. Welcome back to the front porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and I'm joined by Michael Daniels. How's it going, Mike? How was your whatever day this is? <laughs> Wednesday. How was your Wednesday? And as uh, as Dennis is wrapping up his long, or not wrapping up yet, I guess as you're you're in the middle of your long journey back from the a long, tiring family Christmas week. I bet you're. I can I can tell it, and you're mm-hmm. you're missing First. out of figuring out what day it is. <laughs> Yeah, well, that happens in the holidays anyway, but I am on the first leg of my journey back west from southern Indiana. Um, I'm recording live from a hotel in Missouri, and uh, yeah, getting over a little bit of a sore throat. The um, Well, I don't need to get into all those details, but the heating system in the place where I was staying over the holidays made the air super dry. And oh, after about I thought a week you said of the, that, I thought you said the eating system. I was like, there's an eating system? What's an eating system? The heating. <laughs> the <laughs> heating. It, um, and yeah, it's just the like, you know, sleeping with, um, you know, your nose stuffed up, you breathe through your mouth and then your throat gets super dry. Oh, yeah. It's just a cascading of terrible and, effects, right? Yeah, I'm I'm hoping that it's just that and I didn't catch any you know cold or bugs or anything from the um uh, uh carrier monkey children that were right around my nieces and nephews but um yeah that that's what they're good for spreading diseases and helping the world yeah. call call the week that's what the kids do yeah exactly it's, it's, exactly. Their, it's their job um yeah I'm it, it, it's for, for me, it's the, this year's this time of years is weird. I, I regularly, I have this week off. Like this is a, a time I usually also take off. Cause I've always had it with, with, you know, had kids and this is my first year not having kids at home uh, and in school. So um, I didn't need to take this week off for Christmas break. So I'm, I'm working it, but it's, it's weird because everybody else takes it off. And uh, a week, you mean the week between or because we're in the week after? The week after. No, they the, the week the week between IU is closed. My work is closed. Um, right. So everybody's off then, but people will take it. The reason they take it off is because if listeners don't don't know, I work for a universe, a major university, and um, they uh, they're you know they, they don't start their classes right back up after the new year. Um, so we've got like a right. week or two of dead zone stuff. And no one's on campus, including faculty, which uh, typically means that staff uh, to support them aren't necessarily around either because they've already rushed to get this stuff done before the holidays. So they also take it afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just to say that my days so far, well, yesterday was my first day back. And then today is my second one is that the whole it's I'm the only one on my entire floor and I'm in my office working and it just sucks that like. After a while, the lights all turn off outside on the, you know, the main <laughs> area because no one's walking around the whole floor. Um, yeah, motion lights. So it's like, ugh, so, so, so sucky. I mean, some people like that because, you know, it's quiet stuff, but I, I do those. My quiet time work is usually from when I work at home. Uh, so anyway, it's, it's, it, I'm getting used to yeah, it. We, I've been off for a couple of weeks now. You know, it's weird to get back into it. We, we have, we have officially off like one day for each. Christmas and New Year, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, maybe two days for Christmas. I don't know, but it's very 
um, especially my team is, is very laid back. And so I was off most of the week between I worked one or two days because, um, I had to take an extra day off to make the drive east. And this week I'm taking like half the week off to drive back because I want to get back like on Friday or Saturday instead of Sunday. Um, So I just have an extra day of like actual vacation. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Right? Like need a vacation after your vacation. But the, the team is still going. So I'm, you know, checking in in the morning and, I always have my phone on, so if yeah. they need me, I'm available. But well, well, what yeah. what they don't they don't what they like in paying us actual pay at the university they they make up by giving us lots and lots of time off, which which is pretty good. But yeah, but I, I have to be careful of that because I always I used to because having kids I'd always save it and kind of hoard it up. Um, mm. and now not taking this week in the beginning, I feel what's happening now is that not only am I not hoarding it up, I don't have to spend it on kid time. So I, I have to, I'm going to have, this is the dumbest thing. It feels like a very hubris thing to say, but I have to start getting used to actually working less. Um, Cause mm. I need to take that time off, you know, type stuff. And that, that's kind of a public service message for some of those people out there who always feel bad when they have to take time off work or their employers make them feel bad for taking time off. Don't because it's your, it's, it's what you're getting paid for. So you know, you're, you're part of your, your, yes. Uh, compensation or whatever. Yeah. yeah you, and, and if, yeah. if you, if you don't do it, it's them, it's this, if you don't take it, it's the same as just them not paying you money. So take your time off people. Right. And enjoy it. Yeah. I, uh, especially during these crazy, boring, terrible winter, winter months. Um, yeah. Well, I got to see you yesterday, like in, in the real, you, you were here in, yeah, in the Bloomington yeah, area. that, that, that almost didn't happen with my uh, my illness, infirmity, whatever. Yeah. Um, I was like, oh, I don't know. Because where we were staying, it was about 40 minutes away from Trotsky's. And it was also the last night. That's a weird, like, I don't know. I have a big family. And about half to a third of them left yesterday, earlier in the day. Mm-hmm. And so it was just the sort of remnant by numbers, it was about half of my family because those were the two, the two of my siblings with the most kids. And so, you know, mom was like, well, it's just going to be, you know, the, these people and these people, if, you know, if you want to stay, stay another night, you know, mom stuff. Like, you know, it, it's, it's better than, you know, not being welcome. Right. Sure. Um, right. But, but I had, I had told Trotsky and then I considered just staying the night there and leaving from there. Um, but again, because there was a smaller group at the, um, place where we stayed, I don't remember if I talked about this last week, we rented out a, um, a summer camp basically. Um, so it was like great big lodge with a really nice, big kitchen, massive ice machines. Everybody had, well, each family had their own uh, bedroom and and bathroom and um, stuff. And it worked out really well. But anyway, yeah, I came up for games and then went back down there. And uh, we didn't, 
we didn't play much. I guess I played a couple rounds of Bananagrams, which my mom loves. Um, and I hadn't, I hadn't played that all week. So played that. And then we finished watching, uh, wait, wait, are you just going to uh, glance over something called Bananagrams? What, what? You don't know about Bananagrams? I, I don't know about Bananagrams. What, what, what is, what is Bananagrams? Okay. Cause you're like, we just did a thing um, at Bananagrams and you know how we, uh... it's a, okay. So I assume a lot of our listeners know what this is, but <laughs> well, I know. Um, okay. Imagine, what do I compare this to? I guess I don't have a, I don't have a good comparison other than, um, so start with Scrabble. Okay. But with no, with no board and no points on the letters. Okay. Just a bunch of tiles with letters. Okay. And you put them all in the middle, face down. Everybody takes a certain number depending on how many players there are. And each person with their tiles, they turn them all up at the same time as a simultaneous play game. Um, or is this another term? Everybody does everything at the same time, right? There's no okay. uh, direct interaction. Um, and you try to take all your letters and make words like you do in Scrabble that are all connected. And once you have used all your letters, you pull another one, and then everybody has to, when you, you say heal, when you pull another letter, and then everybody else has to take one too. Okay. And there's there's some mechanic for, like, putting one of your tiles back, and then you have to take three new ones. So if you've got a letter you just can't use, you can, put you know, take a chance on getting some better ones. And then you go until all the tiles in the middle are gone and whoever uses up all their letters first wins. Um, so it's a, you know, a, it's a, very a race to use up all the letters. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a fast paced version of Scrabble with no real scoring. Um, it's, it's pretty simple, but, but enough for all the family. Um, we put, we played a man. I even talked about this cause, cause, uh, Trotsky had me play after you guys left last night a game that I think that you you should have you should uh, you should have played actually because um, it'd be good to play with your family uh, with with the younger part okay. with, with the younger members of your family not necessarily sure your, your gaming people but uh, man I'll, I'll talk about it next week when I can actually remember the uh, the name of it but um, it it, okay. it was you, do, do, you, do you know what I talk when I say um, bag building do you do you know what that means like automobiles. It's kind of like deck building, but uh, instead of a deck, you put like, or cards, you have little chips. So you buy in a market a two-point chip or something, and you put it in your bag, and then you shuffle the bag. Yeah. Yeah. Like like the racing game, automobiles. Sure. Yes. Sure. Yes. Right. Um, so. Uh, I don't know if we've played that in person, but on PGA, you know, I mean, there are cards and stuff that go with it. But you have little cubes. Correct. In the bag. Correct. It's it's similar. It's like that. Yeah. I'll explain it more next week. But anyway, we we played that one, and it's a it's an introductory for kids, meaning like you could play young kids, like seven or eight, something like that, and and all the way up through. And we enjoyed it. Uh, but it, it's it's a, one of those things that teaches you how to do mechanics like that. You know what 
deck building right. or bag building right. or purchasing marks like that. But very yeah. simple. Yeah. Um, and again, I'll talk about it more next week. But it, it, it's good, and I and uh, I will end up recommending it next week for for that kind of stuff. I, it's it's neat the whole whole idea of um, teaching kids entry level board games, you know, modern board games, right. not just giving them games like Candyland and Sorry and stuff like that. Um, yeah, we we talked about that a little bit last night because my um, uh, one of my sisters got some of my nieces um, the kids version of Ticket to Ride uh, Ticket to Ride First Journey yeah um, which is a game that I bought for our older nieces and nephew um, years ago years ago and Trotsky and I were talking about how um, it's a really has a really narrow um, like age uh uh, range that it applies to yeah because once your average kid gets to like i don't know eight eight to ten ish they can play ticket to ride yeah especially if there is an adult to do the score correct because the only the only complicated part of, of ticket to ride is you know scoring how many points you get for the different lengths of routes like there's no reading. I mean, maybe you have to read the names of cities to connect, but you could pattern match the names almost. Yeah. Um, that's, that's very minimal reading. And the, you know, there are, the cards have the map on them, you know, so it gets you most of the way there. Right. Um, and so I've never played first journey, but I guess it, it just removes a couple of those mechanics. Um, so it is still a good um, um, entry level thing, but yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, speaking of that entry level thing, you were here for. We said you were here. Um, you sat in on the the our weekly game night and got to play the Ticket to Ride Legacy. Replaced um, one of our our uh, friends of the show, Zon, uh, who plays right mm-hmm. um, and where it is that you won. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know what the plan was since I was going to be there. If we were going to play something else or whatever. And they were like, Oh, you can play for Zon and take a ride legacy. I'm like, okay, you're going to have to tell me what's going on. Um, yeah, because it's, you know, the, I mean, you know, but, and, and you talked about it a couple of weeks ago, but the, the core of it is still ticket to ride, but the map is smaller and um, there are a bunch of new rules and some of the standard rules are not in the game, at least not at the stage that our table was at. There's no points for, um, there's no direct points for putting trains on routes. Right. Um, right. Unless it's, your color. Um, and there's no, there's no longest road bonus, which was something that I was sort of chasing toward the end of our game. Mm-hmm. And then I just straight back. I was like, is there a longest road bonus? And they're like, no. I, I talked okay, about that last well, night. I'm really surprised that sorry, that, that mechanic hasn't been introduced at all, or that scoring thing. Uh, we're at least yeah. halfway through the game. And 
there's there that's that's a main mechanic of Ticket to Ride, and they and they just have not introduced it. So oddly, probably the and I I guess some of this is a little bit spoiler if you're going to play it and haven't played it, but um, probably the biggest difference to me is that the um, the scoring mechanic is replaced by currency uh, by gold, right and you don't really, at least, I mean, it probably gets more of that as it goes. At the stage we're at, you don't really spend the gold. You do a little bit. Yeah. Um, but it changes the whole thing from, like, chasing points to now there's a currency that goes up or down, depending on what you do, um, and makes it more, it makes the game more role-playing than basic TTR, I think. Yeah, we now the, the two you, games, to, to catch some people up here, we're playing the Ticket to Ride sure. Legacy game. Um, and there's two tables we play in our gaming group, so two different groups playing. Mm-hmm. And and because it's a Legacy game, every at the end of every game, sometimes at the beginning, you make choices based on what had happened during that, that session. And different people, depending on how they, they finished, make choices that change the game like physically change the game and the whole thing's different so that those choices can be different from table to table. And they very often are. Um, So when Dennis is doing it, he's, you're just talking about currency and stuff, maybe different than my game because our boards are very different from each other. Um, Yeah. Right. And you get to see our board, right? I I try not to look at the other board because I don't want to see any kind of spoilers. Um, but yeah, from a from a, from a high level, the board I played at was basically uh, everything east of the Mississippi, and like one region beyond that, like just a little bit into the Great Plains and um, Texas. Yeah, and in ours, maybe Texas part of the Great Plains. I don't know. And yours is like some of the East Coast, and then all the way uh, across the top, like across the U.S. Canada border. Yeah, all the way through. And then we just unlocked the bottom. So we went all the way across the top and then down to California. So we're... Oh, okay. We, we just haven't done the bottom part of America. Um, and it's sort of... That's part of what I mean where it's more, more of an RPG because right. you're sort of simulating um, being different rail companies expanding um, the rail network of the U.S. Yeah. And and this last as you go usually at the beginning of every I'll say episode or session there's a big story thing that happens and then some major things are introduced. Uh, unfortunately, this time when you were here, this one was the least and lightest thing added, if anything, to the, to the game at the end yeah, or, or beginning. Yeah. yeah, there's usually a bigger story and there's something that happens because of that and sets up the difference with the board. This one there was hardly anything, and then it also at the end there was hard, there was hardly anything. Um, but uh, so that's something you didn't quite get to experience. But usually, usually you said the role playing part. For example, there's a the arrival bad guy train company in that game called Mom O'Connell who runs it, and yep. and mm-hmm. there's always a big story about what she does, and then something happens to the game after she does it. Oh, okay. But that didn't really happen this time, so it was like oh, okay, it's just a very light normal one. It was good for us because we actually had something big happen to our whole board and changed our game last time. Uh, so we needed this round to, to do it. 
Um, but yeah, it, it's it's fun, though, right? Yeah, I mean, how, how do you feel about mm-hmm. the? Oh, I, what I wanted to say about that, I kind of got off track with it. Was that in our game, the coins are spent. The things we have, we have lots right. of ways that we spend the coins, exchange coins back and forth. It's a it's a real big part of the game. I think the the table I played at just unlocked some of that stuff at the end of our ah. session. Yeah, we we so like, they'll be dealing with that next week. There's cards that come up that allow us to spend money, which money in this game is victory points. So you have to choose between yeah. points at the end to maybe advantage here. And then we, it, it might be on that table too, is that there's several towns along the way that your company can kind of claim permanently. So, yeah. so you're, you're mm-hmm. giving victory points to other players by going through their towns. Uh, so that's right. kind of a pain in the butt, but um. Anyway, yeah, it's pretty good though. Thumbs up. You know, I've kind of reviewed it before, and, and I liked it. I I like mostly the just doing the um the new thing. Whatever new thing gets introduced, that's kind of what I mm. that's all I wanted. Or what I can do to unlock boxes or see new stuff. I'm not necessarily interested in win- winning. Just doing the new thing. Fortunately, sure. Actually, doing the new things helps you win. And much to Justin, Justin's chagrin. <laughs> um, he, you know, right. it, it's, it. some, some people at our table will just try to play ticket to ride and win that okay. way. And sometimes that can work, but right. ignoring the new mechanics, you know, which every, every session adds more and more and more things that are pretty big. And if you start, you can play the whole game differently. Like I won this last time by a big amount. And I only and I score scored only two routes that were the lowest point going routes in the deck, and I still blew out mm. the thing, because there's all sorts of ways to win now that aren't just that one way. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. What was interesting for me was um, playing somebody else's, you know, yeah, uh, deck, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, um, because I'm like, oh, okay, I got to not. I got to not screw this up. Some of these choices that I make are going to affect. Oh yeah. Right. His whole game going forward. Cause you put stickers um, down, right? Like you claim routes and train routes and things. Yeah. 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 Claimed a, claimed a town, claimed a, you know, created a new route uh, in red, of course, cause I'm red. I was red. Yeah. Um, and I mean, luckily the person I was playing for is Zahn. Yeah. And he in games is often just a, Kind of agent of chaos, right? Whatever is the most entertaining and fun for him. So there wasn't too much pressure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, he'll he'll be fine with whatever you pick, right? Yeah, right. Um, I think he was doing a strategy where he was doing one of the new scoring things instead of the traditional, um, which we actually finished in this game. I won't say what it is. Spoiler. Um, and I won mostly just doing standard TTR stuff. Like I completed four routes Mm -hmm. and they were all kind of, you know, connected together like you would normally do in a, in a normal TTR game. And, you know, was, had some luck in drawing those routes and then also luck in getting the train cards that I needed to complete those. Yeah. Um, So it was pretty typical, um, pretty typical TTR victory. Yeah, the the even though I had said that, like you know, 
doing the mechanics. You can definitely still win with, with those kind of strategies. And for people who are are like long term fans of of the the original board game Ticket to Ride, um, the the same all the way through. And I said we're over halfway through with all the changes to the game and the mechanics and different stuff. The, the still the same strategies kind of work, meaning like if you can see if you want to play uh, competitively, I guess you can see where people are going and intentionally try to cut them mm-hmm. off. You can put your towns in the way of if you know people tend to go this one way to help to stop them or slow them down or get you cards or get stuff like that. Um, so you can use the same kind of many of the same strategy you play against other players in ticket to ride, get that, get that one route that everybody goes for first type stuff. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it still works. You know, there's just now some new ideas and mechanics around it. Um, maybe we should have gone into a spoiler section here for some people. You know what? Why don't we do that? Cause I know we're not saying legacy stuff, but we have spoiler sections and people can skip it over and we can talk some mechanics. How do you feel about that? Okay. Um, yeah, that's fine. I don't have my bow, but um, let me put a chapter marker here and we'll talk about TGR legacy in uh, spoilerific detail. And and I could talk about this with you because you, you're not in the regular group, uh, which is good. Right. Uh, okay, so if you're listening now, I'm going to say some mechanics that we've unlocked. If you're curious about what, like, a legacy game, you know Ticket to Ride. It's kind of one of those um, entryway, gateway games that almost anybody can play. And if you haven't played Ticket to Ride, you really should. You can get probably get it at the library even, um, pick it up fairly inexpensively, and play it with, with your I, family. I didn't mention this earlier, but my when my sister bought uh, First Journey for our nieces... She also got the base game, and I think she got them together for like five bucks. Oh wow! On yeah. Facebook Marketplace or something. Wow, yeah, yeah. It's you. You can get it anywhere. Um, and I know a lot of people yeah. like to point to Catan as the gateway game drug to the board game world. I actually like this game better. It's one of my number. It might be close to my top five, if not almost number one game. Uh, recommend yeah, recommended it's, game. It's more accessible. Yeah. Than Catan, especially for younger ages, because Catan has some math. Yeah, and actually, I think this is my number one recommended game of all time. Like to any, if I have to recommend a game, just say name a game. That's it. Ticket to Ride is is the one. Uh, so, yeah. if if you again, if you haven't played that, you should. If you have and you're curious about what what do you mean by legacy might change? Here we go. We'll talk about it. Um, so. I won't go about some of the new mechanics. That's just in the game. You can read those online in the opening instruction booklets. Uh, like like Dennis said earlier, you instead of um, getting trains along, you know, you get points for victory points for the number of trains. You don't do that anymore. You get now you get one flat score based on how many trains you have left at the end of the game, um, and you get coins for victory points, which during the game you can spend for various effects. So, for example. Um, we have uh, at during one, one point we unlocked an ability called to piggyback. It's a card that you get that every player has. Mm-hmm. And if you want to go on a route that somebody's already claimed and you can't, you need to get through there, you can flip over this card and then you can go on that route and place your cards on that route. Um, and there is an event that happens because events are also new. Something, a card that's mixed in with the trick that the train, um, colors the, mm-hmm. the, the train cars and then when it comes up and says draw an event you draw an event and it changes the game these these event cards are added through the game through various effects 
and they give various effects. One of them is uh, an event can come up that says you can pay a goal or two gold, which is two victory points, to flip your piggyback card back up again. Um, mm-hmm. So that way you can you can pick, keep piggybacking, and it it helps with the you know oh man he cut me off type type thing. Completing your route, right? So so that's big. Another we had we had one that we had one that did the opposite, uh, or maybe it was both. Like you could spend a coin to flip your piggyback back over, yes, or you could uh, like tap your piggyback card to get to to get coins, to. correct? Which is which is what I did because I had already finished all my routes. Yes, and I ended up winning by three points. So two of those were from that. Oh, there you go. Yeah, see, that's very good. Um, and I used all my trains, which was big. Yeah, and points. and that thing's not always in effect when another event comes out. It can replace that event. So mm-hmm. you have other ones. Um, other things that it has is um, you when you go, you have a color. You're assigned a color throughout the whole game. So I'm red. Sounds like you were Dennis as well. At your table. Mm-hmm. Um, anytime I play trains on a red route, so I'm playing, you know, trains down on a red route, I get two coins, two victory points. So you want to go on the red routes if you can. Um, and like in the base game where there are gray routes, meaning you can play any color on those, like all blues or all blacks or whatever to go on that route, there are blank tracks or routes between cities. Mm-hmm. And the first time you go there, you can let's say it's a route of uh, four cards, and you play four blue. Then you have stickers that you actually fill in the blanks, and now that is a blue route forever. Yeah. Um, so you kind of want to go to those blank routes and put your color on them, so that there are more of them out there for you throughout all of the length of the campaign to land on your reds if it's red. Um, so kind of mm-hmm. propagating those. Now you do have limited stickers of your color. Like at one point I had used all my red ones, so I couldn't go to those blank ones um, and I couldn't put new ones down, but they're, they are always adding new, new stickers and replenishing that stock. Um, another thing we had is that when we opened up California, so this is a, this is a mechanic. So here we go. Here's a big mechanic. Really. If you, if you haven't heard this one yet, I mean, if you, if you don't want to be spoiled, go away. Cause here's one. When we opened up Oregon in the top left-hand corner in Montana and all that area, um, mm-hmm. it opened up a gold rush and most of the routes up there had little pickaxes on them. And two things happened in this two big mechanics. One is that the pickaxes, uh, a bunch of cards were like, tr- uh, train cars were added to the deck and they were same colors, red, mm-hmm. black, white, blue, whatever, but they had pickaxes, a pickaxe symbol on them. And it means that to go in there, you had to actually like dig through tunnels through the mountains to lay your train. Um, mm-hmm. And you play had to play cards with pickaxes to get to do those routes. And once you did that, you have successfully made a tunnel through the mountains, and you put your color on those on those routes. So that's your tunnel okay. type stuff. Um, but here's the big yeah. one: every it, because it was a gold rush, everybody got a gold rush card, and they were like they had, half of the card had little nuggets all over them that had the like scratcher, you know, the lottery ticket scratcher things. Yeah, uh, yeah. So you could scratch them off and they, so they were hidden like six of them nuggets. And on the left hand, it had, okay. it had your starting city, which is mine happened to be Vancouver. And then a list of like six other cities that you, that had gold prospectors waiting for them. And if you could connect a route from, in my case, Vancouver 
to one of those cities, you got to scratch off a scratcher and see and got whatever reward was underneath there, um, which is pretty cool. But the real trick is this is a one game only thing. The gold rush was on and we have to do it in the next session because after that you tear up your, your gold nugget card and can never use it again. So, oh, okay. and, and they were all very long routes, like all the way across the world. I think I had one from Vancouver mm-hmm. to Philadelphia. So they were very long. Um, so in this case, what happened on this last one was I decided I just like to see what those things are. I don't really care about winning. I just want to do the, the scratchers and do that mechanic. Um, I'd already mm-hmm. done the math and I had enough trains to get to all the places if everything was perfect. Um, and so I set out to do that and I picked routes cause you have to take at least two tickets. I picked two that were very small and that kind of went along the way. Um, and ultimately here's the spoiler part. Those underneath those scratchers were, were money cause it's gold, right? It's gold. You get a bunch, a bunch of victory points. So you don't necessarily have to complete tickets. Those are just tickets that have a ton of victory points for them is what they were that you don't get minuses for. Um, and, but, but again, it's a one game only use. And right. I think that frustrated some of the other players at the table because they, they had their strategies and they didn't like the game telling them that there's this <laughs> other way. So they just played their normal sure. game and kind of ignored the, the new mechanic. And I did play the new mechanic and it was su- supremely a better good decision to do that. But, sure. but they were frustrated because it's not fair that this game's doing, making me do this thing for one time, but that's kind of the thing of a legacy game, right? That each game is different and new and adds something different and new. Yeah. 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 Uh, we have things like Florida. I don't know what happens there. You guys have Florida down there. We don't have Florida. Um, seems to add a, I saw, I will say your table, you have like a robber mechanic, which I don't, we don't have that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what that oh. does, but sounds bad. I'm assuming you can't. It's a little bit like, like Catan. Um, we got to a point where we got rid of that robber. He was there from the previous game, but like something happens where you make him move and then everybody on a route connected to the city where you move in has to put a gold in the either in the bank or in Mama O'Malley, whatever. Mama O'Connell, yeah. Company. O'Connell. Yeah, it seems terrible. A reason for us to not go to go to Florida. I think Florida will probably be the last place we end up un- unlocking. Um, but yeah, there, there's things like that. California, open. we're all, it's really neat. California, when you unlocked the, the tile and put the tile, because when we're saying on this board to explain it, you just start with a, a board that is the East Coast from like, I'd say Chicago down to New Orleans. And then a new player can can pull from a big bag and it's a puzzle piece that you add to the end of the mm-hmm. board. And it hits like a jigsaw puzzle yeah. right into the to the, the thing. So that's how you expand your board. Um, and we unlocked California because it just says big black California in the back, not till we see it, put it down. And evidently there was a big earthquake and California is now a bunch of islands. Um, so it's not oh wow yeah it's not actually California, um, and there's like br- every route there are bridges, uh, 
And I guess the new mechanic is for every time you go on a bridge, for every, like say you got two, two cards you have to put on there, you get two coins for every, um, every bridge space. So it's like very lucrative. Like California is very, you know, you know, rich sure. or whatever. Um, but you, there are a bunch of event cards that got added that cause another earthquake aftershock to happen and makes your trains on a, on specific routes get knocked over on their side. And the only way to turn that back over is it takes a locomotive to turn the route back up again. So you have to go buy a locomotive and then spend it to turn it back up. Um, so you can get money out there, but it's dangerous and it's going to cost you a lot to invest to get it. Um, so anyway, right. that's that's a couple that's a couple of the mechanics as an example that were added slowly. Um, and I've been able to do things like because I win, I get to pick kind of the maps, the puzzle pieces that are unlocked. And I've intentionally chosen the top route because I've also claimed all, all the cities that go through like St. Louis and things like that. So you have to, you have to, everyone has to go through my towns to finish routes, um, right. which is another thing our, our players don't like. And they get very frustrated when I, I keep winning because I keep those routes, you know, important. Uh, eventually they'll lock down. Uh, they'll, they'll, people will open up and you, know, you can go around them. But for now I'm taking every advantage yeah. I can to that kind of stuff. So, it's yeah. Anyway, it's ticket to ride, but you know, super fun. Uh, are you? Do you like the new mechanics? Are they too much? Uh, you kind of came in after we unlocked a bunch of them. Did it really feel overwhelming coming into that? Or I think I think it was balanced out by the map being smaller. Okay. Um, but I mostly didn't have any any issues with it. Um, it might have been the cards because you pick you pick like crew or something you pick a yep. person card yeah um and there's a sort of catch-up mechanic where the player who loses gets to pick two um which might be why Zon has hasn't won until i played in it was sort of sandbagging to get those extra bonuses that's true um and do some other like the circus thing um i don't know if you have the circus thing we do not have a circus thing. It's like a... <laughs> so if your gold rush thing is like a scratch-off, um, the circus thing is like uh, those stamp collecting books, like um, the McDonald's Monopoly game. Yeah. Uh, and there are other, like, I think in England, they do them for football, soccer, uh, things, something. But basically there's a box with a roll of stickers that you pull out like, like tickets at a raffle. And, um, when you do long train segments, um, you get to pull a number of those, like starting with three, right? If you play a route, that's at least three. Um, you can take one sticker from that roll. Okay. And then you have a book where you're trying to build, um, sets of trains of all different colors, right? You can't put the same color in there twice. Um, and so if you fill out that book, um, you get a bunch of points. Oh, that's good. Um, that's and good. You, yeah, you, you mentioned this a couple weeks. Yeah, Trotsky kept talking about how 
much of that Zon had filled up, and we actually finished that circus thing uh, in the game I played. And you talked about this last week, but the players each have a box mm-hmm. with like one half is their cards that they because you pick you pick your bonus cards for a game at the end of the previous game, right? And so you pick those and you put everything in one side of this box. And the other side of the box has a slot, like a piggy bank, where you put your end game score sheet and other cards that you um, complete or whatever. They go in your vault. And then all of that is added up at the end of the campaign. Yeah. So you could sort of, like, you could choose it. You could write that stuff down somewhere. But if you don't, um, you, you have a vague sense of how well people are doing, but you don't know for sure um, until the whole campaign is done. Yeah, because because like you could you could like come in second every single game, so you, therefore you didn't win one, but you scored <laughs> one point below the winner every time, and then the people who won never came in second, so you could actually win the whole thing, but have never won a game. Right, right. So yeah, that's yeah. that's an interesting thing. We we had. Uh, we have one. Here's a mechanic that's interesting, but I, I think it's a neat idea, but I don't know how it's going to play out. We got a whole deck of what's called um, stocks for the companies. Each color and ticket to ride represents a, com- a, a train company. So white is one train yeah. company, and red's a train company, and, and blue's a train company. And these are, are stocks. So there's nine blue car stocks, nine white stocks nine red stocks nine yellow stocks nine black stocks whatever and these cards are it made into a deck shuffled put face down at the beginning of every game and two are placed face up and if so it could be like a red and a blue you know stock option comes out and if you complete a blue route you can claim that blue stock and then it goes into a pile face down in front of you and there are mechanics through the, out the game, that, like events, that can say, hey, you can sell one of your stocks to get seven points right now. Um, but ultimately, at the end of every game, you take whatever stocks you have gained through the game and you put them in your vault. And at the end of the campaign, we're going to take these out and whoever has the most blue get, let's say, 20 victory points. Whoever has the second most blue stocks gets 10 victory points. Whoever has the third most right. gets five. So you want to get the most of the colors, but unless you're playing it multiple times in a row, like we don't play it once a week or sometimes every, every other week. Um, I don't know what I have in my vault, right? I'm just, mm-hmm. so it's, a, it sounds like a cool mechanic, but all of us are just trying to get, you know, it's just whatever's up whenever we complete a route. Oh, that's a black route. I got a black stock there. I'll grab that. You don't really, we're not fighting for stock options per se. You know, um, and, and, you know, sometimes it is, you know, I've got a white card. There's a a single white route out there. I can just put this down just to grab stock options. And some of us, I think for a minute did that. Um, But it's just kind of a, that's going to be one of those point salad things at the end. They're like, oh yeah, there's these things that we just don't know. Uh, Kind of, it's neat idea, but uh, it's a little lame. So anyway, yeah, yeah, there's unlocked that at the end of our game. So I get a chance to. Oh, okay. actually played. Yeah, the stock options. Yeah, uh, so there, there's things like that. So now we're kind of coming out of that. There's things like those mechanics that were added to the game 
that add a little flavor. You never lose the core of the game while you're still building routes, making tickets, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but there's just right. all now sorts of other options to get points and to do things uh, that you don't have to. And if they put those all on the basic yeah. ticket to ride, it would be too confusing. Right, right. And something we didn't mention that's um, kind of a staple of legacy games compared to campaign games is the consumable nature. Um, a lot of the cards have uh, spots on them that you can punch, right? Like punch mm. a ticket. Yeah. And the the routes that you complete, like the normal ticket to ride routes, um, have those, but they're separated by color. And there are a number of them depending on the route and presumably how long it is. Um, but two of the routes that I completed... Um, one Zahn had completed at some point in the past because one of the red spots was punched and one had just one for each color. And so both of those routes are retired from the game. Correct. Uh, like, like just discarded, thrown away. They're gone. Put in yeah. the box, whatever. They're gone. Um, and that's, that seems a little odd, except if you remember the board expands with, with each game with each play session which yeah. uh, corresponds to a year uh, in the sort of role play uh, setting whatever and so some of those routes that are all like um, you know connect New York to New Orleans or whatever will get replaced with routes that stretch further across the map yes um, yes which is just a cool way that the that the game Evolves and some of the other like the events and things were like, okay, this will happen, but once three people cash in on it, it's fully punched and it's gone. Yes, um, I, I think that's which a, is cool. I think that's a really cool mechanic, and I we underestimated it early on. Um, but as you start expanding far and far out west, um, again, the other people at our table. Uh, try to take the mentality of like, oh, that's just too much. I'm not going to take those long routes. There's just so much to go all the way out there. And so it's too high pressure and stuff. Mm -hmm. But the thing is that the, all the easy routes that they kept picking are gone. Like you can't pick those little routes right. anymore. Uh, they're out of the game. Yeah. Uh, there's a few left, but the more you pick them, then they just go away too. Uh, so eventually you have to like branch out from what you're normally want to do and have to, like you know, pick some big routes or, um, pick some different, go into areas that you're not comfortable with. And it also helps people not like just stick to their area. So let's say I just put put all my reds in the, the North, the Northwest and put my red stickers down and it's my little place. And I'm only going to complete routes there and get victory points. Well, those cards will go away. So I won't be able to, now I'm kind of screwed and I haven't gotten, I have to go out East and there's nothing red for me out East. So right. it, it encourages you know, different playthroughs and different kinds of stuff. And and if you do focus, we had our buddy Justin focus too hard on his stuff. And then you get in a point where that, you know, you're not scoring as many points anymore as you, you did at one point. So it's pretty well balanced, well thought out. The designers are good with it. And yeah. Yeah. yeah it's cool. I like it, but that's ticket to ride legacy. I think it's just called legacy, right? Or does it have like actual name to it? I'm not really sure. I have no idea. Uh, anyway, uh, you want to talk about our, move into our films and talk about the film this week? Sure. 
this week we watched This is Christmas. Um, IMDb says 22. So I don't know if this is from this year or last year. Okay. And this is our, our second. What, what Do we have a title for these? Is, there a, is this a genre besides saying Hallmark movie? Hallmark Christmas movie. Holiday... Holiday rom-com. Holiday, holiday romance. Romance. Um, this is our third of these, at least. Oh, really? What, um, what was the third one? I know. I know. Well, I know one that was very unforgettable, or very forgettable, which was the the tasting one. Was it Taste of Christmas or the, the, the uh, Saving Christmas Spirit? That's right. right the Spirit. Christmas Spirit was his Scotch, uh, and of course, Love Actually. Oh, Love Actually. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh, no, this is from last year, uh, released uh, December of 22 in the UK. So what what do you think um, of this one? I, I really liked this. Um, it had a kind of, um, like, it had a plausibility that these movies don't usually have, um, especially that was my big issue with... Um, with love actually like of course this is a romance and a holiday romance so it's very heartwarming very um saccharine or or yeah. whatever words but i think there were enough moments with the characters and the dialogue that had enough cynicism that kept it grounded for me um you know the main character is clearly a dreamer kind of um kind of guy but the premise is um he takes this train this commuter train um from some suburb into i don't think it's london is it liverpool there were a lot of several of what i thought were no it's london langton to london I, I, there was at least one Liverpool accent, and uh, I think his his original girlfriend was um, Welsh. But anyway, that's not important. Um, he takes this commuter train every day and sees the same people who are all taking the same train. And they don't interact, right? They sit on the train, they keep to themselves, because it's public transit, and that's what you do. Right. And... He has, he has this theory of, like, we see these people all the time. Well, there's a sort of um, inciting incident at the beginning where a kid on the train put on the wrong coat, and so he doesn't have his, his pass, his annual pass. And the conductor is like, I don't, I don't know. I got to see the pass. And he's like, you, like, you know I have a pass. I see you every day. And he's like, I can't remember every person. And finally, some of the other passengers are like, you know, he's here. You, see, we all see him every day. Yeah. Um, and and several um, people stood up. For and him. so, yeah, several people stick up for him then. And the conductor says he's going to do a round and come back. And of course, he's you know he's just saying that like he's not really going to come back. He's going to you know let it slide as yeah. it were. And. So the main guy, the main character, um, you know, f- develops this theory of, you know, if, if they 
start interacting, start talking, just say hi in the morning, start talking. They could be, um, I forget how he says it, like, not necessarily friends, but something more than just strangers on a train. And so he decides to throw a Christmas party um, for all the people who ride this train at this time. Mm-hmm. And of course, almost everybody is like, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. You, like, you don't know these people. They, you know, could be jerks or wackos right. or whatever. And part of it through is that there's a girl who rides, there's a young lady who rides the train that he is maybe interested in. I don't know if that was really clear. I watched this movie kind of fast today. I, I will um, say, I don't, I don't think the, he was at least for the first half. Okay. Yeah. I think that just kind like of naturally he, they became friends. Yeah. Like he sees her and like maybe she's the only person that he occasionally interacted with. Yeah. She um, comes up to talk. She's on one this, of the first on ones to community. talk to him about being okay with this yeah. party. Mm-hmm. And, and they're, they're both, they're both in with relationships. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're both in relationships in the kind of typical, like, like you've got male, they're, their current relationship is not really working. Um, but done in a way that I thought was okay. Like very often in romantic comedies, the other man, the other woman is just horribly written, right? It's just like the, the, they're, they're blatantly cheating on them or something like that, just to make it, real simple for the audience not to be conflicted yes, right. about the main person, the main character ditching them yes, um, or rejecting them, whatever. But in, in this case, it seemed, you know, I mean, not, not super well, like written and thought out, but a little bit like, um, this is maybe going to be a weird poll. And maybe I've mentioned this before, but in, the Santa Claus. Um, Tim Allen's ex-wife is with Judge Reinhold. Mm-hmm. Do you remember? Do you yep. remember all of that? Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with Judge Reinhold as a character. He's <laughs> not a jerk. He's not cheating on her. He's just a guy who happens to be a therapist, and there's plenty of '90s era therapist jokes. And is a little dull, but like he's stable, dependable, and he's there for her and, and all of this stuff. Um, so it's, uh, I don't know what word I wanted to use to describe that, but like real or plausible or whatever. Um, less cartoonish. Yes. You're right. Um, and, this movie had it had several storylines uh, weaving through it. Um, I had a couple points where I was like, "Oh, I bet that, I bet that this." You know, I would say I, I don't normally do this, but there were points where I'm like, "Oh, I bet that person's significant other that they keep mentioning, I'll bet that they are gone. They passed away." Yeah. Or, um, when the female main character finds out that she 
can't make it to the Christmas party after she helps the mailman character plan most of the thing. I'm like, she's going to bail on that party at some point and come to the main party. Um, But there were other stories like the whole story with the old man and the young guy. Um, I almost never knew where that was going. Um, yeah, you know, it was it was all kind of surprising and and original as it went through, um, which was cool. I agree. Um, go ahead. I've been talking for. A while. Oh no, it, I I agree. That, that that's the simple answer with him. I agree with that. that I liked it uh, so much so that I I really liked it. Like it was, it's the the best way to say the reason I liked it is the word refreshing. Um, unlike so many of these, mm. these films, uh, it, it was yeah. interesting. <laughs> I was, I was engaged, um, to, with, with the characters. There was a couple new things. There was a, enough old tropes to make me feel comfortable for what I'm watching, you know, cause I, I get what I, I like, mm-hmm. uh, the, the two main characters yep. are, are cute and have good chemistry together. They actually have good chemistry, but, um, just just like you had said, they are with people, and it wasn't too tropey. It wasn't that they. I didn't immediately hate their other spouses, but it it naturally progressed in a, in a similar way that like um, you've got mail kind of does. The 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 two love interests opposite Meg Ryan and, and Tom Hanks, um, mm-hmm. Greg Kinnear and it might be Sissy Spacek. I think um, is uh, Parker Posey. Parker Posey. That's what it is. Yeah. Uh, are are fine. They're not bad people or anything, or unlikable, and they're with these other fine people. So, same here. I didn't feel like I wanted them to break up with their spouses immediately so they could get with this other person they're talking to, having fun with, because they weren't also doing. Which I appreciated. They weren't. They were clearly just doing this, um, you know, family train family Christmas, um, and uh, it, it they was were just nice. They, just their interaction. Their interaction was platonic. Yeah, for most of the movie. For most of the movie, right? Um, which is great, and that's again ways that you would hope a good relationship might actually form. Uh, but it wasn't like that. None of them were cheating or doing any kind of um, untoward thing or feeling like they shouldn't be doing. It was. It never felt like that at all. It was just good goodness. Like that's what I again I liked about this film. That's a good, nice trope that yeah. they, I think all Christmas, these Christmas rom- rom-com things need to have is just a, a feeling of goodness right a- around them. Um, mm. And and this from the the onset did. And this, you're right. I also agree with your thing that they had enough cynicism in it uh, to help balance that out to make you feel like, you know, it's not just saccharine label stuff that so much like um, the spirit of Christmas had and yeah it's 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 not like he has this idea and does it and immediately everything is is great and wonderful like yeah it takes a reasonable amount of time to get there yes um and it doesn't always work out right and he like choosing the venue when he did the like chose to not use the venue that was a a little twist that was like pretty good because it was for the right reasons and um Yeah, and and all of the characters that were on the train that kind of slowly developed from strangers to good people, friends, they're all good people, but, you know, friends and family, Mm -hmm. um, felt very natural and slowly happened. It wasn't just another one of those, hey, there's a person, now I'm in in the group type thing. Uh, You know, they 
they kind of pulled the main guy to the side as they're walking away from the train, just like normal people would, instead of jumping up in the front and saying, I'm going to do this, you know, or start talking and meeting on the train and explaining their life story. They kind of walked to him and said, hey, I've got a room I could, you know, use if you want to use that thing. Just kind of slowly stepping in. And that just felt very realistic. You know, it's some, I, yeah. I, that somehow I would have done it. If someone, someone announced they're having a train party for all these people and things, and I thought, thought it was interesting but not really sure about it. I might slowly, you know, do a little, hey, I, you know, might, I'm kind of interested, but we'll see. And that's what these people did. Um, so yeah. much so that I've, like, two I've days got before, some boxes of wine that I can't sell. That yes. you can have. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. Which, which is just great. So all the way through, it just felt very, I want to say realistic because it's, it's a film. There's so many unrealistic things, but it was more you, realistic than any of these kind of shows would watch. You know, you know what it reminds me of is Ted Lasso. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Um, Where it's like... Right. Well said. Things aren't perfect. And there's still like realistic situations. But people, you know, people respond in, you know, realistic is a heavy word, but like plausible. Plausible is a better word. And then, and then you get to that, you get to that happy ending um, in a way that feels more earned than yes. some of these cartoonish uh, romances. Yes. And as I said before, to reiterate, the, the main characters did have chemistry, uh, but but not like mm-hmm. lightning sparks chemistry where you, you have to get them together right off the bat. They just were good people right. that you like and are doing good things together. And then there is a general attraction that naturally forms from good people working together for good things. And then... It didn't even take bloom at all until after they were separated from their other other people. Um, and there was even right. some holdout to it, which was pretty interesting. Uh, so, yeah. I, and and the, the story with the old man and the young kid, that that's probably the I liked all of it. There was only one scene in there where it was it felt like a holiday Christmas film was when when he reveals the Christmas present, the young boy to the old man. Uh, and the old man gets mad mm-hmm. and starts trying to punch him and things like that. That's the only scene, which is really rare for this genre. The only scene where I was like, okay, that's not plausible and should and wasn't well acted or directed or things like that. And I'm just nitpicking because I'm just showing, trying to say there's a little bit that's not perfect. And I mean that like the old man gets mad and starts going on a, on a rant about him stealing the stuff and everything. And the kid just sits there and doesn't defend himself. And doesn't try to calm the guy down. Doesn't say, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, no, I got your thing. Here it is. Like He waits until after he throws a punch, gets all crazy, falls on the couch. Everybody has to calm him down. And then he comes back and, and walks and still doesn't say he does it and then gives him the present. And I'm like, why didn't mm-hmm. he just be, you know, say it before this guy lost his damn mind? I see, I see what you're saying. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that was very unrealistic. But I'm just, I, again, I'm just being very nitpicky. I'm just, just so I can explain, show sure. that. Not everything was perfect, but um, that's very small, and you kind of want that to happen, and then it's a natural good feeling for how they do, you know, later on go to see his his grandson. Resolve it, yeah. Resolve that kind of stuff. And he has now he has a emotional support person type thing. Um, so, yeah, I, I did, and I, and I really I really liked it. And I, li- I also liked the, the premise, the idea that, you know, these people, you do, you go to 
so many times you walk by people all the time. I work in the same floor in the same building with so many people. We walk by each other multiple times a day and I don't even say hello to these people, you know, and why not? Right. You know, we it, it's there's reasons not. Of course, there's not. And they say that in this film. There's reasons not to. But maybe it's not so bad if we just spend a little bit of time and a little bit of effort. You know, this guy's wasn't his life mission to do this party. He was just, you know, in his extra time. Um, right. And, and, and it, it's nice. And, and so, yeah, th- thumbs up. I I don't have a whole lot more to say, except that I liked all of it, th- through all of it. And it was just a really yeah. well done film. Um, yeah. Ma- ma- it got me everything I wanted to do and more and surprised me that, that this kind of things. I would definitely recommend it as a thumbs up. Uh, there's no one I wouldn't recommend it to. Maybe Babies. <laughs> that's, that's about it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there's a little bit of crass language, but very minor. I mean, less than Ted Lasso. And, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, but yeah, thumbs up to everybody. And it's it's a good Christmas film. Matter of fact, I can't think right now. I can't think of a better one of these kind of films that I would recommend higher than this one. Can, can you know? I mean, Christmas Prince is one of your favorites, but I. I like this one actually as a good film, whereas Christmas Prince well, has I, the kitschy stuff to it. Yeah, I you you described this in some way earlier that I was thinking at the same time because I was thinking of other movies like this where you know the the Hallmark movies are just you know fully sincerely leaning into their own trope. Yeah, right. and and not wrong. That's the, not wrong. The, yeah. the, the and the Netflix movies are are doing a love actually thing where they're um they're doing the, the tropes but you know satirically or or with a little bit of sarcasm. Um where this wasn't either of those things. It was like, let's try and do something like this that is sincere and and plausible um and believable. Yeah, like um, like like it, which, the actual origin really of these it. kind of films, right? Or right that they actually do yeah. want to to do these fun things, right? So yeah, thumbs up for you too. Yes, good good film. Oh mm-hmm. or, no, I I had asked uh, what is better than this one. What what's one that, for this genre of films that you would say is a better one to watch? I can't think of any. I don't. I mean, I really it's can't. Not really. Really, my genre. I mean, I've watched a lot of these kind of movies with my mom over the years, and they're all kind of the same. Just like this is okay as long as you pretend this is how people would really act, um, would really behave. Yeah. And uh, yeah, in in the holiday space for sure. In the holiday I, space, um, yes, um, correct, right. Uh, cool, cool. All right, uh, I guess it's my turn to pick. So it's, it's your pick, yeah. yeah. And, and I know I, I make I make you nervous every time I come because sometimes I'll say like I'm going to pick intentionally a bad film, which I I might, and, and but I'm not. Um, the, the, just to just to be fair, the bad film that's on our list and we will watch at some point. See, the thing is, Dennis, I can't put these all off because then then we'll have like six weeks of just terrible films altogether. Um, True. The, right. the, it's I saw a really corny trailer on obviously TikTok for an old um, eighties fantasy film in the, in the vein of Conan. 
uh, called The Barbarians, and I'd never heard of it before. And there's just like a whole genre of 80s fantasy Conan knockoffs that they made in the Mm -hmm. 80s. And this is definitely one of them. I mean, they got two twin bodybuilders that are like Conan lookalikes. And and I know exactly. Yes. Oh, boy is the right right word. And I was like, okay, this is going to be. I'm hoping with these often to hit the it's so corny, it's funny. You know, it's fun type stuff. Sure. Uh, I, campy, yeah. yeah, I can't be. There you go. I, I'm, I'm saying that, but I'm not going to pick that this week. It will be in the future. Maybe in my next <laughs> one or something. I'm actually going to watch uh, The Man from Uncle. Um, I've not seen it. It's got one of my guys in it, Henry Cavill, Superman, Witcher. That's a, that's a TV show. It was, adaptation. but this, this is the film of it, I guess. The film, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I've not seen it. Um, I kind of feel like I've missed it. You know, sometimes you things come and go, and you can't miss, you miss them. Yeah, uh, for sure. So uh, I, I, I can do. I can actually do with a good film. This last couple weeks have been a little slim picking. I have um, done a lot of rewatching that I tend to do. Um, Sydney and I watched the entire new Planet of the Apes films, um, <clears throat> stuff like that. That that that's a side note. She actually really enjoyed those. Um, they're pretty good. If you've not seen them, they're actually very good films. And um, it's uh, the first one is just the transition from the, the like the human world, what we live in now, into human world. Yeah, I've seen the first one. Yeah, uh, so like, what a great starting off with the prequel that leads you right into the main story was pretty darn good. Um, and when we watch this and Sydney says the same thing is that it's almost unexcusable watching $250 million film film, like superhero films do so poorly with their CGI and <clears throat> the flash. And you have this film, which costs a lot of money to make too, but just these apes are not real and they are just perfectly in the space. Um, well, having, Having just seen the ending of uh, Two Towers, you've got um, Andy Circus in there doing, right? Isn't he the. He, he main... is. Yeah, he's the main character. He's, he's Caesar. And um, Weta Workshop, who it. did the Lord of the Rings stuff, does the does the Planet of the Eight films. Uh, so, yes, that, that's kind of my point is that, you know, you, if you go, if you're a Hollywood studio, you go cheap, you're going to get cheap. You know what I mean? Right. So it, I, I sometimes feel bad about bashing about things like rebel moon and flash for bad CGI. But when I watch this again, these films, I, I, I feel re like I'm, it's okay because there are older films that are way better uh, and that can do it anyway. Yeah. uh, I mean the, 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 the style and the visual effects of Rebel Moon were like the only good thing about that movie. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so anyway, those films were great. Uh, there's a new one coming out, um, which I was surprised that they're doing another one because the third one kind of had an ending. I, I'm not too surprised. The, these, I went back and actually another thing I watched was after she was gone, I watched the uh, Marky Mark one, the Mark Wahlberg version that came out, like. Okay. 2001 or some kind of thing. And, um, or four. Yeah. I can't remember what it was. And, um, 
It's a little cheesy. It's not all that great, but it is what it is. But that one and the 1960s one with Charlton Heston all start with a spaceman somehow going through a time portal thing and landing on this planet right. that's that he doesn't know that apes are control of the world and humans are the ape. They're kind of switched. I, w- I watched all of the originals when I was like 15. Yeah. Somewhere yeah. thereabouts. Yeah, I, I loved, I actually loved them. It's, they're cheesy now, but they're still, I loved them. Um, yeah. So, yeah, they, but they always start there, right? They start at when the Planet of the Apes is and, you know, you, what happened mm-hmm. to Earth? Um, some of the Planet of the Apes things kind of go back, the the, the bad ones uh, kind of go back and tout things. But this one is all about going from the normal day to, I think, ultimately, they'll end up with the like when Charlton Heston comes down from space. So right. to say that there's another film surprises me. It's not true because they haven't actually advanced up to that spot yet, but they're very close. Mm. Like they introduced in the sure. in the... The third one, they introduced the young girl who is like Charlton Heston's love interest or Marky Mark's love interest. Um, So she's like eight or nine. So at some point, they're going to have to move into where she's at the age where the astronaut can come down. So they're getting closer, and I can see that happen. And I thought Sydney might like that one because it looks really cool. I'd love to see it with her. So I showed her that first one to see if she'd like it. She really did. We were watching it while she was doing like some – puzzle stuff and then she's like well let's watch the next one and then the next one so we and <laughs> and watch the second one the second one and then the last day that she was here we were talking about what we we're going to do and we had all sorts of plans she's like but i really i want to make sure i watch that third one before we go so we had to actually make sure we had time to watch the third planet of the nice. ones. um so i was that made me happy but anyway my my point of that whole thing conversation was that i've I've been watching a lot of these kind of re- rewatching some old movies and things because there's not been a lot of stuff out. So it'll be good to watch The Man from Uncle because it's one I haven't seen. Mm. I hear I think it's pretty good overall. Um, so it'd be nice to watch something that's new to me and fun uh, to watch. So yeah, the The Man from Uncle. Um, hey, real quick, I didn't play it much. I was really distracted by the other game last night. We, but mostly you, played a game called Hearts of Attraction. Can you explain it, that mm-hmm. game, to people? Sure. I put this on our list because it's, I mean, it was more fun than, but it's it's very simple. Um, it's a box or bag full of heart-shaped magnets. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're a little three-dimensional kind of a little thicker in the middle and yeah if, you, if anybody ever had like those hematite stones you know that, that are really smooth and ground down about an inch yeah or uh, or like those um whatever you call it those magnets uh like rare earth or whatever the rare earth buy that were um the kind of oblong shaped that you could toss and they would rattle against yes, each other i remember those i remember those yeah click together um this is like that. You spread all these hearts out on the table. Everybody starts with one. And then you have to slide one of your hearts into the middle. And from the however many stick together, um, you take one set of those. It's usually only one set. But we had several times where somebody would slide the heart in and it would split. They'd get two pairs and just pick one of those. Uh, you keep doing that till there are no hearts left on the board, 
and then whoever has the most in their stack wins. It's very simple. You yeah. play it with kids. Um, just a fun kind of sort of dexterity game, but also just silly fun. And you like it? Was it? Would you recommend? I think it was like I don't know how much it was. Say those things usually aren't too cheap because it's just a bag of magnets, right? Yeah, I mean, not super expensive, but magnets aren't super cheap. Um, I think it's out of print on Amazon, so I oh okay, can't say for sure out of stock, I should say. Right, sure, sure. Um, um, yeah. But yeah, it was. It was. I, I said it, these typically aren't my kind of games. Um, anything, anything to do with dexterity, we have to aim and use your hand to aim a thing and throw it. It's not, for, I'm, I'm not a darts guy. Let's put it that way. Right. Uh, yeah. I'm the same, but if it's like simple and silly enough, I, I don't mind. And then I'm like, this might be something that I could buy to play with my family. Yeah. Yeah. And it did feel that way. And what, it didn't take five minutes, right? Like maybe 10 minutes. To, yeah. It's you know, super fast with like five people. So, you know. And it, we had a big table to play it on and such, so that that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I will spend two minutes saying I watched Aquaman two. Um, the the review for it, it's not getting a lot of um views, tickets sold, or whatever. Uh, it's not doing well in the theaters. They say, um, uh, kind of like the Marvels. I don't think that's uh there's justification for it because it's a fine movie. It's not a great movie. I wouldn't even call it a good movie. But it's a it's it's exactly what you would expect it to be, right? Like if you want to watch okay. Jason Momoa as Aquaman, you know, fighting bad guys, you know, being a uh, dude bro, um, with superpowers and lasers and and sea, riding seahorses and stuff like that, that's exactly what you're gonna get. I know that we have high expectations for some of these films sometimes to be like you know Civil War or um, whatever. The, um, but, or Winter Soldier, but not all of them have to be. And this one is a, this is a good superhero romp and that's it. Nothing more, nothing less. You, you, you know what you're going to get to. It should have been released in the summer, like for sure. Um, Mm. just because it's a summer popcorn blockbuster that you take the kids to the drive in. Um, and that's it. Well, but obviously Amber Heard gives this thing bad press dc dying is bad press dc being terrible with several of its films right uh you know the flash being the most recent one that's absolutely horrible um so it just set up aquaman for for failure and and it's not bad it 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 shouldn't it maybe should i think it should should have made its money back i don't know if it will but it's good enough film that it should make its money back and a little bit more i don't know if it will um, I, I see things like the Marvels in this one that, you know, bad press, outside factors, et cetera, et cetera, cause it to not do well. And that makes me a little sad mm-hmm. because there's a lot of people that go into a film and, you know, work on a film and do a lot of stuff and put in their heart and soul into it. And, and it gets a lot of bad, negative things people feel about it before it ever comes out or before people even see right. it. Right. And, and it, again, not that it has to be great or that it's really great, but when you start from a, a, a position of way, way down, it's hard to dig yourself back up to even medium. Or, um, so I, I did enjoy it. I liked Aquaman, the first one, and this is very much just like Aquaman, the first one. So 
If you're thinking about watching this one, if you like the first one, there are zero reasons why you wouldn't like the second one. It's very much in the same, not the same movie, different movie, but same kind of thing. And the, and people liked Aquaman 1, or generally. I mean, it was well-received at least. So, yeah, whatever. But um, we, we were, Sid and I went, granted it was between Christmas and New Year's, but we went and we were the only ones in the theater. Uh, I want to say it was a Saturday and it was 10.30 showing uh, at night. But still, two people in the whole theater. That was kind of a sad thing for to, to see from that. And to see that in any theater. Um, yeah, that's my that's my Aquaman review. <laughs> uh, we, we got left. We got like oh, a little bit less than 10 minutes. What, how are you feeling about talking about For All Mankind in that amount of time? How many episodes of that are left? Uh, uh, you mean of the total series I, so far? I know there's. Um, we're on eight or have been released. I want, I'm guessing ten. I want to say. There's an yeah eight. I haven't seen. Nine is next. That comes out Friday. Um, get to the season. Well, well, how about how about this? We we can talk about one aspect. We could let's talk about one aspect of it because there's a lot going okay. on. There are the there are three I haven't seen, so I was like, if there's only one more, we could wait until it's done. But there's three okay. three total. Yeah. Uh, well, well, there's one aspect I want to say that we can talk about now because then we can later on when we talk about the whole se- season, we can say whether that came to light or what it was. Um, because we have talked about this series already this this season. Um. So, spoiler bell, which we don't have a bell. We're going to talk about, um, uh, I would say, friends of humanity. Uh, what is it? Um, for all mankind. And we're going to spoiler mm-hmm. the season four stuff. So, get out of here. Come back later when you're done. Um, episode seven. We, we saw that we saw we've been seeing the uh, the union strike that we knew was coming. Okay, that's mm-hmm. not what I want to talk about. It is what it is. Um, we see Alita go. We see Margot coming in. There's, there's a whole bunch of stuff. Again, I don't want to talk about any of those. We'll talk about those later. But at the end of episode seven, you see Dev, the head of Helios. Right? He's our he's our third person in this love triangle of uh, for all mankind. There's the U.S. There's the Russians, and then and then there's um, Helios, the private sector, um, yeah. and Dev comes in, he left Earth, right? Like we know this guy has decided to never come back. He went and saw his mom. They don't have a good relationship. But either way, he just said, I'm never coming back. I want to live on Mars for the rest of my life. Right? Mm. Which was he yeah. did that I think he did that in episode six, maybe. Um That sounds right. I'd kind of forgotten that. Yeah. Go on. I think that's very important because I you're right, it's one scene. And they just do this one thing where he kind of says it just to his mom. He doesn't say it to anyone else. And because he's supposed to be going up there for a project and to wrangle the, the, all the, the problems they're having and just kind of be there for a minute on a tour. But he makes it clear to, to his mom that he's never coming back. And that's what he wants. Right. Uh, so at the end of episode seven, which is the thing I'd like to hear from you about, he goes and talks to Ed. Old Ed from the 60s. First, 
astronaut that should have landed on the moon but doesn't, and he's our main character throughout the whole series. I believe Ed has been totally destroyed this season. He is like the worst character of all of them. In my opinion, he's a bad guy through and through um, this season, which feels like such a departure. But I don't think it's wrong. They're just they're just Luke Skywalkering him. They're trying to say he's a, he's a he's an old curmudgeonly old man and grumpy. Uh, therefore, that's why he's an asshole. Um, whatever, okay. it's fine. But he squares off against Danielle, gets kicked off the team, is mad at everybody in the world. Get off my lawn. Decides he's going to side with the the union workers, right? But which is mm-hmm. really weird because he was so anti-workers before when he was part of the elitist class, and now he's championing the bat, the, the the union guys. I don't understand that. But right. Dev, but Dev comes to him after he's been kicked off, after he started this riot with the 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 workers. And he's just kind of just causing all these problems. And Dev stops it. He's he's Ed's kind of enemy currently. But he, he comes up to him and says, all right, we need to hijack this super important MacGuffin of the season, which is this asteroid that has trillions of dollars worth of uranium on it. Everyone wants it. And Dev wants to hijack it, not for Helios, not for the U.S. or the Russia or North Koreans. He wants to hijack it from Mars. And he tells Ed that that's what he wants, to form a Mars-like world community. Kind of, it made me feel like the the Expanse, where they had Earth, Mars, mm-hmm. and the Belters. Yeah. And right. it feels that's what Dev is going for. He's trying to create a third faction, Russia, U.S., and Mars. And Ed is on board with it because Ed also doesn't want to go home, right? Like he is the whole season. He's been like doing everything he can to not leave Mars. And so these two are very much now Martians and they want to remain Martians and they want to have a reason for Martian to be, have the resources that everybody wants. How do you feel about that? Like that's a whole new twist to this whole season and the series at whole that Mars is now might now become with the workers being the citizens. What do you think of that new twist to this story? I mean, it's hard to say because it came at the very end of the last episode that I've seen. It did. But in a way it was kind of the most interesting thing that's happened. Yes. This whole season. Yes. It's too bad it, it, t- um, it took so long to get this far with that, to make that happen. It, it, it took a long time to get there. Um, I don't love Dad as a character. I don't either. I really of, don't, yeah. He's a, he's a Zuckerberg, Elon Musk kind of parody. Yeah. Um, Ed, I don't know. It, it, I agree it was a weird um, pivot for him to incite the strike i i think he's always been a little bit of an anti-hero true um you know really good at astronaut stuff but pretty terrible at everything else yep agree right i mean he he goes through a lot of trauma in season one or two with um his son originally yeah 
right? Um, which is, that which is echoing now always, with his grandson. Right. He was always kind of, you know, not a great husband, um, pretty bad father originally, but yeah. has a little bit of redemption when they bring Kelly in yeah. um, and all that kind of stuff. And so it, it fits to me for him to just be like, I'm going to stay up here. And he has this sort of maybe budding romance with um, uh, the Russian yeah. pilot. Yeah. Um, whose name I had a second ago and I'm spacing on. Yeah. Um, and now that Karen's gone and all that stuff, I'm like, sure, he's a grumpy old man. Like we've seen him go from, you know, a kind of grumpy young man into <laughs> yeah. a grumpy old man. I'm like, that, grumpy. that makes sense. That's true. That's true. Um, but I am, I am really, you know, interested to see where they go with this, um, with this like <laughs> prologue to the expanse kind of, uh, yeah. Pro- prologue to the expanse. That's what to the, to the expanse, uh, uh storyline. Yeah. The, the, I, I, when they announce that, and I will say minor spoiler for you is that the next episode is that's the main, they do a, several other things that are kind of main ish with storylines, mm-hmm. but that's one of the main things is, is this, they're starting to, those two people, Ed and, and Dev are starting to recruit and enact, put it forth their plan uh, type stuff. So yeah. it's, it's, it's kind of like, oh, this is going to be a thing. Not just a minor thing, like this is going to be a thing. Um, which made me right. feel, after watching that, the latest episode and then that one where Dev uh, says that to Ed, that like, I wish they would have, they wish they would have spun this up around episode three, you know, but yeah, a little earlier because it's, yeah, it's not, um, it's not all that surprising, right? Like most, most colonies, I mean, Mars is clearly a colony in yeah. this in this setting. Like most colonies, eventually become independent. Yeah, right. At least historically on Earth. Correct. So it makes sense, but I agree. We've spent a long time meandering through. I mean, I'm assuming Margot's going to be important, or they wouldn't have given her so much screen time. Yeah. Um, and Alita, but, all that, all that is, seems very boring up to this point. You're right. Maybe they're staying yeah, up for the, later, but and the boring worker guy mm-hmm. who went behind the Russian guy's back and sort of friends with the North Koreans. Like, I'm guessing a lot of that is going to come together in this um, revolution or whatever you call it. This yeah, this independence fight. Um, but it, I agree, it's taken us a long time to get here. That, that, it's really interesting. Thinking of that, you said the, the R word revolution and colony. I, I really didn't think of it in that terms until you just said that. Because I, I keep thinking like this is multi-trillion dollar investments by multiple countries to get Happy Valley. That's the name of their their colony uh, right. going yeah. and all of the stuff it took to get there. And I'm think and but as you're just explaining it, I'm like, yeah, that's how normal works. It's that's how it would work is that they would these people would form a colony and live there and start fighting for their own rights. And that's kind of what they're doing. But at the same time, I saw the evolution of what it took to get to this point. And now all I can think back is like 
how did King George feel about all the investment they took to get America over here? And then those ungrateful jerks, once we sent them over there, you know, <laughs> took all the took all the stuff away from us, even though we spent trillions getting us over there. So, uh, that, right, it's it's a it's a little bit of a parallel, right? It's like they're, you know, they the, England was in that position at the time of like, you know, sure, yeah, you've got you've got resources there, but you know, like natural resources, but the, the resources you have manpower and weapons and forces and who knows what, like you brought all that stuff from here. Yeah. It's, you know, it's not a, it's not a direct parallel. And of course, in the case of, um, dev and for all mankind, like Helios and their investors also contributed a lot that wasn't tax dollars from either side. Yeah. So, um, so there'll be a war where they just like seize all that stuff. Right. Yeah. And, and in us, but in a similar way to, um, Britain axing the American colonies, um, without giving them seats in parliament, um, NASA and the Soviet union decide, I mean, quite rationally decide to, um, bring the asteroid to earth sort of, you know, taking it away from Happy Valley without anybody at Happy Valley getting a say, getting a vote, right? Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Without representation, they just have to do because they're they're the work. It's yeah, man, I'm glad you really brought that up because that 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 really makes me kind of see this in a little bit different light um, and makes me more interested in it. Not not, not that I wasn't interested in it, but yeah sort of came to me as we were talking about it. well the what is this the, the for, for all mankind has been slow and uninteresting this season until this little thing comes and maybe like for all mankind tends to do the last four episodes are some of the best and everything else is set up um so i i could come back as i typically do on these things and say oh okay, I, I i was too impatient and i just needed to wait for the writers to, to let me get through so we'll see, but I am I am uh, personally a little excited about this development. Dev and Ed are not my favorite this season at all, nor are any of the workers. But um, I like the idea since we've said multiple times, or at least I have, that it's this is not tagged as a series finale. That they probably will have another season. See after this, I like the idea of a season where there's a Mars colony, independent Mars colony, as the the third you know, wheel in this beyond a Helios because Helios is kind of boring. Uh, But you have a a Mars nation and the U S and Russia nation type stuff. So we'll we'll talk about more of this next week when we actually watch the rest of them, or maybe in a couple weeks when we go there. But I thought that was interesting enough to hear your, your take on that one. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I'm more interested in it now after talking about it. Yeah. (laughs) Right (laughs) now. Now I want to go back and say, I, I will warn you, Half of the, the, the next episode is primarily a Margo-centered stuff, but the rest of it has to do with the other half is this part. So, Cool. All right. I think we, we did it. We did a good job. Cool. All right. You've been listening to The Front Porch. This is episode 330. Thanks always to our friends at LRM Online. If you would like to reach out to us and tell us, what did we, did we say? Did we talk about something controversial? <laughs> we probably what, what's our controversy um, this time 
Yeah, yeah. We didn't because um, this, address, the, the movie was great. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That address is frontporchpod at gmail.com. If you go to our website, frontporchpodcast.com, you'll find contact forms to reach out to us. I'll put links in the show notes there to the board games that we talked about uh, this week. If you enjoy the show, please consider subscribing on the podcast if you choice. And only there, if you would leave us a favorable review, we just appreciate that. It helps out a lot in those rankings. As always, thanks so much for joining us. And until next time, I'm Dennis. And I'm Michael. For the front porch. Night, everybody. See you next time. <laughs>